have you there's like a trilogy of teenage movies called like after the fall or like we fell no i never seen i don't even know what that is they're they're current you know they're these like oh current day absolutely not have seen it no i'm have you yes yeah no i don't i don't really watch current day (laughs) young adult films (laughs) like the kissing booth no i've never seen the kissing booth yeah that the third one of that is coming out i don't know if i could bring myself to watch it but yeah you will i probably will but yes and now the third in this trilogy of like after the fall what the hell anyway it's so bad and the lead character the lead male actor is Rafe Fine's nephew. Oh. Wow. And he's horrible. It just goes to show you it doesn't always, you know, the the, the gene doesn't necessarily work. No. Exhibit a, exhibit A. I some have you you seen the show Cheaters? No. Remember that show Cheaters? You don't remember that show? No. It was on for years. It was hosted by this guy Joey Greco mostly. And it literally was someone being like I think my significant other's cheating. So they would stake it out, find them. And then the, the, the conclusion of the episode was the reveal where the one person would catch the other person in the act and then fight. And usually they hit each other. Someone's driving away screaming. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There, there are, I had never heard of it. There's 330 episodes. Yeah. Well, at one point after Joey Greco left, Clark Gable, the third hosted cheaters. Oh yeah, I see his picture here. Who he unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. I think he was a troubled guy, but oh no. It just goes to show you that, you know, that gene, just because you have those that name or those uh that biology doesn't necessarily mean it will translate. No. Because no. he was uncomfortable hosting cheaters. Although maybe that's probably the normal reaction. The other guy was quite good, but Clark Abel III was like, I'm wildly <laughs> uncomfortable doing this. You could just see it in his eyes. All right, Anne, but first, let's talk about That's Outrageous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. I am Chrissy. And I'm Anne. And this is the podcast where every week we say we're going to come up with a concise line about what we're doing here. And guess what? Still haven't done that. Still haven't done it. We're, we're a work in progress. That's, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. But Anne, I have a job for us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Much like at Thanksgiving, when we did the taste test of the Brock's candies, the Thanksgiving flavored candies. Yeah, those were tough. Yeah. So there's a new, I don't know if you've heard this. There's a new ice cream flavor out. I did. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yes. And this is a partnership between Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Again, with the macaroni and cheese where they had the pink one. Yes, that's right. At, At Valentine's Day, they had the pink one. Well, now it is a partnership with Van Leeuwen um, ice cream. Okay. Van Leeuwen ice cream is pretty good. It's expensive. expensive yeah. But it's, yeah. And they have come up with a mac and cheese ice cream. 
but can you find it anywhere? I feel like with whenever this stuff happens, it sells out in about one second. They make three pints of it and then you can never find it. Yeah, completely sold out. Completely sold out. How are we going to get our hands on this ice cream? I know that's going to be tough. Well, they, they have released it in honor of uh, National Mac and Cheese Day. It is a gluten-free ice cream. And it, of course, the color is the iconic, as they call it, the iconic Kraft macaroni and cheese, yellow, orange color. So basically they made vanilla ice cream or like a, like a vanilla type ice cream. And then they put in the powdered cheese mix and mil- mixed it up. And there you go. Well, and, and not even that, and they're selling it for $12 a pint. That's outrageous. Yeah. So the reviews are mixed. Some One person said it's definitely cheesy, which seems strange. Uh, it's a little funky, a little salty, a little sweet, but altogether, I'd say it just kind of comes together. It's very creamy and buttery, a lot better than you think it's going to be. I'll tell you what it tastes like. I bet you. Because when I make macaroni and cheese like that, I do yogurt instead of like milk. You know how they say do milk oh. butter? Yeah, I usually do like a thing of yogurt, like a little dollop of yogurt and then whisk it up, you know? Well, that's, I I don't think it's such a stretch to think this is going to taste good because it's all basically dairy. Like it's all kind of the same. It's going to be fine. I think it's, but I couldn't imagine eating a more than one bite of it. I mean. Yeah. Well, uh, unlike what was that horrible Brock's flavor that we tasted? Was it like greasy or stuff? One of them that tasted like blood. (laughs) Oh. Like if you just see inside of your mouth and blood got in your mouth. Um, I think that might've been the green bean. I think oddly the green bean was the, was the most offensive. That's what I'm saying. Those are two things that like, just don't go together. Like green beans and sweet sucking candy, essentially. Like this is at least all in the same family. It's all dairy. You keep saying that candy corn is sucking candy. It's not, <laughs> it's you chew it, you chew it and swallow it. It's a, it's a, that is, it's not a uh, lifesaver. <laughs> All right, fine. I, I, anybody who sucks on candy corn is, <laughs> we need to have some words about that. That's not how that works. It's a, it's a chewable candy. All right, well, clearly I'm not a fan of candy corn. All right. And then now here's another one, Anne. Staying in the food, the food zone. <laughs> food zone the food zone i just said this to my son this is a job that he should apply for okay mccormick the you know the spice company yeah they will pay a taco lover a hundred thousand dollars whoa yeah for four months work what yeah they they sent out a question do you eat tacos like it's your true calling what does that mean well now it really can be McCormick is on the lookout for its first ever director of taco relations, and we're calling all taco fanatics to submit. What are, what, what are the qualifications for this job? Yes. They will keep taps on social media, taste test, and consult on recipes, and travel across the country to search for the latest trends over a four-month period. It's 25000 a month only 20 hours a week from September to December. This is a high paying job. This is the dumbest. This is so dumb. Borderline offensive. Borderline offensive. Yeah. What they're at, what they're wanting is like some sort of influencer. 
They don't want someone who is a serious taco person because you know what? There are people who you could, you could easily reach out to famous chefs that, that know all about tacos in the world of tacos. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that there's, I mean, there's probably some, I bet they can find an influencer who's also a food influencer. I guess so. But I'm saying if you really want to get into it, you need to find like an old grandma somewhere who can probably give you some tips and tricks. Yeah. Or my 17 year old son who would gladly eat tacos every day and tell them what he thinks of them. I'm sure he could eat all the tacos, but is he going to be like, this me, This has notes of, you know, poblano, like, you know, no, <laughs> you like an old grandma. <laughs> I don't know. I think who can, can, who can go and taste test their seasoning and go, this is not how it works. And then whip up her own and go, here you go. Well, they're asking people to submit videos no longer than two minutes long, showcasing their personality and passion for tacos. Oh my God. Imagine being the one that has to watch those. It's going to be a lot of people going like, Hey guys, I love tacos. (laughs) I'm the number one, I'm the number one taco fan. Yeah. Well, I've been seeing on LinkedIn, like people who get jobs uh, at TikTok, like get them by submitting TikTok videos for the job. But life is becoming, Anne. It's all becoming a social media post. Oh, God. Yeah, it really is disheartening. I mean, people who, you know, are real writers and yeah. stuff, like can't even get deals unless they have a certain number of followers on social media. It's we're, we're crumbling as a society. It's true. We're crumbling as a society. That's why the animals are taking over. We all know this is happening. They are, they're sensing it. You know how like yeah. dogs, dogs can smell fear. Yeah. Animals can smell the, the, the degrading of, of our society. I do think it's uh, contributing to a lot of unfortunate um, teenage depression. Well, teenage, every type of depression. I think it's harder though on the younger people because this is unfortunately all they knew. At least I once lived in a world where this didn't happen. Yeah, I often wonder what's worse like like knowing how it was so much better <laughs> when you didn't have that you know or just not knowing any better anyway we digress back to the animal kingdom and <laughs> okay let's walk let's let's go into the world of the animal kingdom yes this is truly i mean i i don't know which story is worse this one or the mice in australia which i still am Oof, obsessed about that one's pretty bad yeah, I think I mentioned them like every week, but um, this happened in the good old U.S. of A. in Georgia. A Georgia couple had a bit of a scare. That's a hint. Oh, good one. Thank you. On Sunday, when they came face to face with a large snake family Ooh. under their bed. Under their bed. Okay. Under their bed. Yes, this poor woman, Trish, thought she saw a piece of fuzz on the floor under the bed in her home, but when she reached for it, it suspiciously moved. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. And then she said a second later, another piece moved, and she said to her husband, we have snakes. She naturally went from that's fuzz to snakes. Snakes. Under the bed. It was a mother snake who had just had 17 baby snakes. Oh my. 18 snakes <laughs> under her bed. 
I don't, I'd have to put the house up for sale to be What kind honest. of snakes? Um, bad ones that will bother you or not bother you? Does it say? It does not say what kind of snake it is. It was a, it was a non-venomous snake. It did say that. It seems like they're used to snakes if her first assumption next to fuzz was snake. Yeah, and then she also, like the husband was able to use a grabbing tool. I don't know what that is. To <laughs> contain the snakes in a linen bag and then he released them outside near a creek. Oh, they were garter snakes. Then, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, they don't, they don't bother you. But uh, although I, look, if there were one snake, let alone 18 snakes, I would not be thrilled with that. No. Plus it's like, like that woman, uh, that woman, that snake clearly came into the house to give birth to these baby snakes. It's like, it probably was hot outside. How long was it there? Giving birth to snakes under your bed? I don't know how long it takes for a snake to give birth. I don't either, but that just sounds terrible. Absolutely terrible. For the the snake mother? Yeah. (laughs) For everybody involved. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, that's upsetting. That's Un- under yeah, the bed is one thing. I-, I thought for a minute there, you were going to say like under in the bed, like under the sheets or something. Can you well, imagine? I bet that happens. Uh, I, 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 no, I can't imagine any of this. We had a snake in our house once when I was young and it traumatized the entire household for, <laughs> well, probably to this day, but who got rid of it? Who was, who was the one to like, finally, basically what happened was my, my brother who's been on this podcast, his biggest fear in life is snakes. Oh. And we had a, um, we lived in a, a split level, uh, house. So the, the bottom floor was our living room. He's a regular Indiana Jones, Ted. Oh God, no. Snakes. Yeah. So, so we were in there, I think I was in there with my mom and we saw this snake and like, we couldn't tell my brother. <laughs> and so, well, I guess then we did, we did, cause we were like, we all have to leave the house. We have to get out of the house. And then my parents, I guess, and I, but I was, I was young. I was under 10 years old, moved. They, they were looking for the snake. They wound up moving every piece of furniture out of the room to try to find the snake. They couldn't find it. Oh my God. So then they moved everything back in. And just as they were done, the snake came out of the baseboard heater. <gasps> and my mother, in an act to this day that we still talk about, in an act of, I don't know what, some kind of crazy adrenaline, <laughs> grabbed the snake with her bare hand. Oh, Sue. Yeah. Went running outside, got a shovel, and smashed it. She murdered the snake? Yeah. And she was like, with a string of expletives. It was quite a, quite a show. My brother, I don't think my brother ever loved my mother more in his life than that day. He was like, they say mothers when their children are in peril, they lift, you know, (laughs) a mother will lift a car, you know, super, super strength. It's like a mother's love is just, you know, becomes brute strength that captured with her bare hands and then murdered. Yeah. And buried the body. Yeah. Honest to God, it was quite a scene. Even to this day, if you ask her, she's like, I don't know. It was just like like something snapped in her head and she just... <laughs> something came over her. Yes. Plus to catch a snake with your hands, you'd have you'd be fast. Those things are yeah. fast. They're really fast. Wow. That is impressive. It was quite a show. Quite a show. 
All right, Anne. I've saved the best for last. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I guess there's an annual contest in the UK for the be- the best dad joke. I mean, I feel like that's not a really hard mountain to climb. <laughs> By best, you mean wor- like corniest? Yeah. Okay. It's always in celebration of Father's Day. Okay. So this year they had over 2,700 jokes submitted. And then I'm going to tell you the winning one. Okay. Out of 2,700. Okay. 2,700. Here is the winner. I once hired a limo, but when it arrived, the guy driving it walked off. I said, excuse me, are you not going to drive me? The guy told me that the price didn't include the driver. So I spent 400 pounds on a limo and have nothing to chauffeur it. And look, I love (laughs) a pun. That's my favorite. I think it took a while to get to the punchline. Um, But it's good. I mean, it's clever. It's like, huh, that's cute. Chauffeur it. Chauffeur it is good. Yeah. I like that. But I, I mean, I, 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 I feel like there's probably something better out there, but I do like that. All right. Well, here are some runner-ups. You ready? Okay. Yeah. These are all shorter. So maybe you'll like them. Yeah. Why did the man fall down the well? Why? Because he didn't see that well. <laughs> I think that's funnier. <laughs> How about this one? <laughs> I like that one. What did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he left for work? Um, I don't know what. Bison. Bison. <laughs> That's not bad. I yeah. like that one too. Yeah. I like them bo- both better than chauffeur. How about this one? I actually think this one's funny. Two guys walked into a bar. The third guy ducked. <laughs> That's good. Someone has glued my pack of cards together. I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> Here's the thing. And all, all of these, I'm sure, have been um, stolen from the original writers. Like, you know what I mean? Whoever submitted oh, these, yeah. I feel like all of these have been around for a long, long time. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sure too. They're all so ridiculous. Here's one. I was wondering why the frisbee kept looking bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. it's cute it's funny right yeah all right one more i think by the way all of the ones you've said are better than the one that won the chauffeur yeah because i like it but like i said it there's a it it took a lot to get there for the payoff to not be like spectacular yeah well but it's still good here's here's the last one i'll i'll there's more but i'll just i'll stop it here there's 20 700 more 2700 yeah uh i stood behind a customer at an atm and he turned around and said could you check my balance so i pushed him his balance wasn't that great nah. these are all like phil dumpy uh jokes yeah from modern family yeah uh a good little chuckle they're fun yeah they're fun and speaking of getting a couple laughs Let's talk about the movie we watched this week. Let's. You picked this movie because it is in line with 
the Olympics. The Olympics are are kicking off the summer games, yep. when, like when this podcast comes out, basically. Yes, and um, also this is uh, this movie is called American Anthem. It is from 1986. Wow. And we were just talking a little bit before I. I know I saw this in the movies when it came out, but I will say this should go under the category of under outrageously underappreciated films. Well, it's it's the rad of gymnastics. You know, when we're talking about it's in that era, they basically made the same movie for every type of sport. But what's interesting about this one is they got Mitch Gaylord, who was a big huge olympic like a gold medal winner right he won gold medals yes he won in 84 so this was two years later yeah and he was like a handsome like you know he was in a lot of commercials at the time and and like a real he was like the um i guess the bruce jenner of the time i mean right i mean he kind of was really popular yes well he he is good looking he clearly was cast to spend 80% 80% of the movie without a shirt on. Yeah. Um, and he was a legit gymnast. So I guess they didn't have to hire stunt doubles because he did all of his own gymnastics. I'm assuming he did all his own stunts. Yeah. So he, I remember seeing it too, but I don't think I saw it on the movies. I feel like I saw it on like, you know, VHS or something, but I do remember seeing it when I was watching it. I thought it was a complete, like a gymnastics version of flash dance. Or that too. I mean, down to the welding. I mean, he's like doing the welding in the beginning. Any scene where, where like a sexy person can be sweaty wearing a welding mask and then they take it off. They're like, we just want that scene where he's like put in a hard day and he's like muscles are sweating. Same thing with Jennifer Beals. You want that reveal? Yes. Yes. Well, that let's start there. The, the movie starts with an extended opening montage. Yeah which I found fascinating. I love it. I love any movie that can set up the entire premise without one line of dialogue. No, yeah. Before the credits have stopped. Yeah. Over like an 80s song with strong saxophone. Yes. Which is what happened. You, they laid out the entire situation just in scenes, including the welding. Well, the welding, that was the thing. So Mitch Gaylord constantly, no matter where he is, even though he's working in a dirty factory, he's been, his whole body has been completely greased up so that the light can like shine off of his muscles at all times. And thank you, cinematographer. And here he is, this quite good looking guy in a factory filled with like people who look like they're hell's angels. I was like, weren't they making motorcycles? They were making motorcycles. Yes. And to your point, yeah, the sparks are flying, the the helmet's on. (laughs) there's smoke you know yeah also intercut with footage of motocross racing which i was like what does this have to do with anything it was hot in 86 yeah there was a lot going on there was the welding there was motocross (laughs) there was the um which we learned later the father uh kind of looking angry all the time which was basically his role and they had mitch gaylor like in between you know doing his welding he had time to jump on like self-made uh parallel bars and and like doing doing some sort of gymnastic pull-up yeah yeah on his break time i guess exactly it was a fantastic opening montage and then scenes of janet jones the love interest that's right 
she too she's a, gym, a gymnast and you see scenes of her that's my favorite thing about this movie is that they cast janet jones who is a very tall woman i mean she must i think i looked it up she's at least i think she's five nine um and clearly mid-20s at this point in her life so they said we're making a movie about gym gymnasts and we're going to take someone who's five nine and 25 when if i'm correct i think most gymnasts are like five foot tall like maybe five foot tall and they're small teenagers i think the most egregious thing was how tall she was it was kind of ridiculous that made me laugh out loud i'm like she's (laughs) she's five nine five ten she's a dancer i mean she's a dancer yes but yeah and she was in fact 25 during this 25 year old five nine perfect casting yeah so the this movie is so classically 80s first of all as we said mitch gaylord is either shirtless or wearing a tank top at all times yeah he has big problems with his father who also only wears tank tops (laughs) did you notice that father's always in tank he was shirtless too at one point at one point he was shirtless and he was in good shape too he was in good shape and I'm like, who is that guy? He looks so familiar to me. It was driving me nuts. And I think he was on one of my soaps at one point. That's what I knew him from. Cause I kept being like, God, I know this man. I know his face. And oh. I think he was on, I'm, I'm going to say another world in, in the night, maybe nineties or. Oh yes, he was. He was in another. Is that world. right? Yes. Was he, was he Linda Dano's love interest? I don't know. His character name was maybe he played twins. It says Lucas slash Alexander Nikos. I bet you he was. I think he might have been Linda Dano's love interest. What's his name? Uh, I'm going to say his last name wrong, but his name is John Apria. John Apria. Yeah, I'm I I know him. I know his work. <laughs> yes. And I find him delightful. And I did just Google it, Linda Dano, John Apria, and they certainly are together on, look at my, I thought my memory was going and it is for most things, but I'll be damned if I can't tell you <laughs> Linda Dano's love interest was in another world in 89. Well, in this movie, he and Mitch Gaylord have big problems with each other. There's more than one scene where they get into physical altercations with each other. Yeah. So, so the, so in the, in that beginning scene, we see Mitch Gaylor working at that factory. We see trouble at home. We see Janet Jones leaving, leaving wherever it is. She's lives and getting on an airplane coming to, I'm not sure where they lived, where, what what, what town they were in somewhere in the Southwest based on the, the various mountain ranges and stuff. But apparently it was a hub for gymnasts. It was, they they had a a good gym gymnast training program. Yeah. Uh, And so she's leaving her hometown and going to this place to get trained by this renowned um, coach. And Mitch Gaylord plays this character who had a promising football career. Yeah, I don't know what the football had to do with anything. I have no idea. And I don't know why he quit. He quit the football career for reasons. They kept showing these flashbacks. And I'm like, what? I'm, I kept waiting for some kind of grievous injury in these flashbacks, but I never yeah. saw anything. 
the only thing that did happen then he got into gymnastics yeah it's almost like the, the gymnastics was an afterthought like yeah. he just happened to pick up gymnastics along the way exactly and in he and his father had many fights and one of them his father broke his arm that was the big shocker to me where he yeah. where they're fighting and, and it's like one of them throws another one up against the wall and he's like what are you gonna do break my arm again and i was yeah. like whoa this is taking it to another level well and that was also part of i believe the opening montage was that mitch gaylord had a cast on that he cut off himself at the uh, factory right right but we didn't know where what happened i assumed it was a gymnastics injury as one would yes yeah. um so father and son don't get along they don't communicate well their mother his mother is played by michelle phillips seems like she could have clued him in a little bit earlier that his father was really his biggest fan who kept this scrapbook of all of his accomplishments yeah that that was the thing that upset me the most i think is the whole time i mean look i love michelle phillips michelle phillips was married to john phillips and really she's seen worse husbands than this guy but, <laughs> um he he's a terrible man who's yeah. extremely emotionally and physically abusive to his entire family um because there's also a little brother too a little kid who looks about i don't know eight and michelle phillips just keeps telling mitch gaylord you know you just need to try more you need to try more with the father so she's a bad mother and he's a bad father yeah and if mitch gaylord you know he, i hope he got out got out of town and took that little brother with him yeah, and the, so the little brother was into motocross. I don't know what the point of that entire storyline was. I'm telling you, somebody threw that in. They're like, throw, throw in some motocross. It's real hot right now. I, I It made no sense, except for one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is Mitch Gaylord is constantly driving around in his Jeep, always driving driving around. With the big, with the big lights, those big um, floodlights on the top. Yeah, yeah. It's always rough terrain. He's like <laughs> rambling through. Yeah. And in one scene, he comes home. His mother is driving off. His little brother is outside crying. So he goes running up to his little brother and he's like, why are you crying? The kid doesn't answer. I always hate this in movies. No answer. He's just so, he can't, can't speak. He was distraught. Whatever. So Mitch Gaylor goes running inside the house sees that there's broken dishes and whatever, assumes that his father has had a, a fight with the mother, which is probably what happened. Yeah. And then the, the brother comes in because he wants to try to keep the peace between his father and his oh, brother. Poor kid. Yeah. And he's like, you know, let's everyone get along or whatever. And Mitch Gaylord tells him to scram, hit the road. I think he says, get the fuck out of here is what he says to him. I was like, Mitch Gaylord. Yeah, he did say that. So the kid, again, takes off on his motocross bike. Yeah. Now, somehow, there's a couple weird things that a, a lot of wardrobe changes happen in a very short amount of time. I didn't notice that part. Oh, I, that's all I was fixating on it. When, <laughs> when Mitch Gaylord comes in from, he had just seen Janet Jones. And again, at that point, he was just wearing a tank top. Yeah. But when he comes upon this scene, he's inexplicably wearing this full length, like, yellow rain jacket rain slicker yes i do recall that and i was like but it's perfectly sunny out 
it's perfectly sunny out and you just came from janet jackson or janet jackson janet jones where you were just wearing a tank top so where did this long rain slicker come and why are you wearing that then he has to dramatically chase the kid the kid takes off on the motorbike he's (laughs) dramatically running after him on the road with the jacket flapping behind him he takes it off and throws it on the ground then cut to somehow two seconds later he mitch gaylord is now on a motorcycle yeah and he's wearing a black leather jacket that's what you need that's what you need it's the fonzie principle i'm like where did all these wardrobe changes happen so quickly and now he's chasing the the brother on, they're each on motorcycle his is more of like a whatever kind yeah of the one kid's on like a like an atv basically yeah, that's right. and then right. gaylord's on a motor like a little motorcycle on a motorcycle and they're racing through the woods i don't know what he, he's yelling at him to stop stop so he he cuts <laughs> him off Mitch Gaylord goes flying off the bike, somehow not at all scathed. The kid keeps going. <laughs> and then just as his ATV is going to go off a cliff, <laughs> he jumps off of it. Yeah. But he rolls too much. And now he's over the cliff, yeah. hanging on for dear life. That's right. I have to say that was my favorite scene of the whole movie because none of it made any sense. I was like, where's this kid going? Very dramatic. So dramatic. And Mitch Gaylord is like Superman because he has caught up to his brother on a motorcycle, managed to switch wardrobes, <laughs> gets into what, what would be probably an accident that would cause paralysis in anyone else. <laughs> and yet not only goes flying off the motorcycle, immediately comes to and knows that the brother has gone off the cliff and yeah. then goes running to save the brother. And pulls him to safety. And pulls him to safety. And then, so this kid was near death. They both were near death. And then the, the little boy's like, why can't we just be a family? Which was, what was the concern at the time? Which, you know, was troubling. Not, yeah. oh my God, we both almost died off this cliff. It was, yeah. you know, why can't we be a family? Why can't we be a family? And the answer is because both of your parents are extremely damaged assholes that don't really yes yes well what was it I, like I, the dad wasn't working like the dad yeah. couldn't get a job and like so mitch gaylor was giving the money He's and then rent. and then at one point michelle phillips is like it's not about the money and i'm like what is going on that entire backstory was a bit much. it was like okay it was it didn't none of it made any sense none and then even the the so then so janet jones come she is now at this center and she befriends, there are a lot of random people that are like, you don't really understand their connection to everyone, yet they're featured in so many scenes and, and there's a lot of reaction shots. Like we're really supposed to care what their reactions are to things. But meanwhile, we don't even know who these people are and why we should care. So right. she has a, a befriend someone who's a fellow gymnast who works really, really hard and yeah. And I thought she was supposed to be like a Mary Lou Retton. She yeah. like looked like Mary Lou Retton. With that hair. And then um, Janet Jones gets assigned. There's a big, there's a big theme, big part in this movie where she, the coach, who the coach, by the way, his name is Michael Pataki, which is my grandpa's name. Michael oh. Pataki. Yeah. So he gives her this music and he's like, this is the music you're going to do your 
floor routine too. And she doesn't like it. Right. So explain this one to me, Chrissy. So she, she then goes to see this friend of hers. It's her cousin. Is that who it is? It's her cousin. Okay. Because I kept saying, how does she know this guy when she's not even from that town? I missed that part. That, that clears a lot up for me because it was baffling. It was like, she doesn't live in this town. How does she know this guy? Yes, this, he was, and he was extremely strange. He, he was, was a very strange person. Bizarre. Well, the first shot we get of this guy is he's playing multiple <laughs> synthesizers yeah. really into it. Like he is really <laughs> dedicated to these synthesizers and making music. And then there's a knock at the door and it's like, leave me alone, I'm working, you know? And it's Janet Jones who yes. comes in and says, I'm so sorry, I haven't seen you in a while. He's been injured in this accident, I guess, that killed his family. Exactly. And, and I guess the only thing that soothes him is the sound of the synthesizer. Yes, and he has a haircut like Carrot Top. Like he, he's, he just seems, he supposedly had a, you know, a tough go of it because he was in this fatal car accident that his parents died and left him crippled. I mean, he has like, he walks with a like brace a on his leg. Yeah. Um, well, I so, don't even think that story was necessary at all, but we didn't need a really ba a backstory on him. No, except oh, for the fact one. that, yeah. And I found, I found their relationship very strange because she does say that that's her cousin, but like they have all these scenes of like him creating music and she's doing gymnastics in front of him. And I'm just like, he's like a recluse and i'm like this is like weird i don't know what's going and of course it's like very 80s like it's orange lighting with like shadows and yeah. she's, i don't know i was like this is creepy and they keep doing reaction shots of him and he makes these faces that are just very expressive i mean he seemed he's a little nutty i i i don't i don't know what this guy what other things he's been in but he's really something this this actor he really chewed up the scenery well, that's, yes. Going back to my original uh, assertion, they're all terrible actors in this movie. They're all, they all have these lines and they are so delivered so poorly. I See, I didn't think that was terrible because it was so interesting. I'm like, what is this guy's story? Like, I really was like, what, what is happening here? But there was him, there was the Mary Lou Retton, yep. and then there was Mitch Gaylord. So Mitch Gaylord had le had left the team to go work. Yes. But he would still skulk in the background and then he would be like smoking cigarettes, which, you know, was, I guess, code for being a bad boy. I'm not quite sure. Um, but he still had one friend that was on the team, that blonde guy. And I assume that blonde guy was probably also an Olympian or a gymnast. Yeah. You mean in real life? Yeah, I because again, he it looked like that was him doing all of his own stunts. He also wasn't a great actor, but he but he kept encouraging Mitch Gaylord to come back on the team and was like a real champion for him. Yeah, I think that. Oh, sorry, Anne. I think that he was an actual uh, Olympian because it does say that he was he was the coach of the Olympics team um, in two thousand. So he must have been a I don't think he was an maybe he wasn't an Olympian himself but he must have been accomplished yeah gymnast. he must have been because it seemed it's it seemed like it was him so throughout the rest of the movie we are constantly getting reaction shots from those three people 
the yes. synthesizer guy, blonde head, blonde hair Olympian, Mary Lou Retton. Yes. Constantly. Yes. And blonde guy is always giving approval and Rhett and, and weird guy is like cheering for me. It was very strange. <laughs> and I kept going, does he know all these people? Like, how is he in some invested? Yeah. You mean, you mean the friend who was his, his name in the movie was Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Kirk. <laughs> it was very weird. Well, there was a lot of weird things because the Mitch Gaylord character, as we have touched upon, was a football player primarily. Right. Then he got into gymnastics. Then at this point in the movie, he hasn't done any gymnastics in six months. <laughs> right. His body is still completely says otherwise. Yes. And somehow he has qualified <laughs> to go to the Olympic trials with people who whose life's work has been gymnastics yeah. like since they were young children have been practicing for this he yeah. just sort of picked it up on the side yeah that's what, that's the strangest part about this because the fact that they even incorporated the football why not why couldn't it have just been that he always did, did gymnastics? Right. <laughs> like, why wasn't it, he was a little boy winning gymnastics stuff. Why, why was football in, even involved? And did you notice he had, you know, there's all these shots of all of his, his trophies in his room and all of the trophies are covered in cobwebs and spider webs <laughs> to the point that it looked like a haunted house. Like it was, it was that level of cobwebs. <laughs> Just covering every single, you know, the, the 50 trophies that are on his, his wall. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the other thing. So I, up for, I would say, I don't know, three quarters of the movie. I feel like the plot was this family dynamic and Mitch Gaylord and Janet Jones's relationship. And if you want to, if you want to say Janet Jones, the, the woman who looked like Mary Lou Retton um, in this um, movie, her character name was Becky. Becky, right. Yeah. Becky was like a very dedicated, hardworking gymnast who like was training and, and then Janet Jones wanted her help, but she didn't show up when Becky told her that she would be available. So then those two come to odds. but. In, in the end, Becky gets injured and her Olympic hopes are dashed. I'm like, what, what? kind of weird message is this? Like yeah. a woman who's like so dedicated, that it's over for her. Yeah. Janet Jones, who doesn't listen to anybody, who doesn't like show up when, you know, for extra help or whatever. No, she's too busy um, screwing Mitch Gaylord. And working on electronica songs <laughs> for her floor routine. Well, that's the thing. So yeah, so Michael Pataki is is, is oh, like, no. you need to use this music. She's like, it's not, I'm not feeling it. And he's like, it's not even about the music. You just need to master your routine. <laughs> routine. And she's like, but I'm five, nine and 25. I just don't, it, it's hard. <laughs> and he's like, that's okay. Just work at it. So she, the, the synthesizer guy, she's like, can you make this music for me? He makes her a whole other set of music I couldn't tell from her dancing if it was the same choreography and she was just applying it to the new song. That was. I uh, think it was different. No, I think that was her whole thing. She that did she her own choreo. Changing it up. She just crackerjacked the whole thing and was like, <laughs> I'm doing my own. She flies all the way to have this man coach her. 
and then basically says, I am not taking any of your advice. Right. I'm doing my own thing. She does the old, you know, the old, no, use this tape instead. You know, so they swap out the tape. Wait, which may I say, I can't believe this is even when they get to like the Olympic trials. This is the method. People have to hand you a physical mixed tape for people to put it in. I'm like, I have a feeling this was all probably pre-programmed. Like someone's not just, I don't know. Handing someone a mixed tape every time they go up. Maybe. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. When I was in college in the nineties, mid to late nineties, my job on campus, I, w- I worked in, uh, it was basically like the a- like AV, like we set up microphones, recorded things all for whatever, whatever kind of activity was going on on campus. And they would have presidential, um, I forget what they called it, but it was like presidents and their entire teams would come and speak. Like we had the entire Bush administration and they had different sessions. And please believe there were college students, meaning me and other people who didn't know what we were doing, recording on cassette tapes like Dick Cheney doing speeches, (laughs) which tells me that, and I'm going, I hope it recorded. Uh, (laughs) I hope there's enough tape on this side. Um, and then, and then they would then dupe those tapes and like sell them to people who wanted to hear these presidential talks, which is my long way of saying, yes, I do believe that someone just handed a tape to someone to say to play. I don't, for each person that just seems very, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, so she switches it out. She puts on her. I guess we should back up. So, so Mitch Gaylor, so they do the first round of trials or whatever that they had to qualify for. Mitch Gaylord decides to really uh, go all in. And he does this insane move where he ends up smashing a table and like that <laughs> poor man is all bloody. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But he made it enough to qualify. So then, so then, you know, the end of this movie is like, they're going to Phoenix for, for the, the trials that are going to determine who's going to go to the Olympics. And he says to the mom, Michelle Phillips, it sure would be great to have you there. Yes. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, she doesn't go. Nope. They, they, they listen to it on the radio, I yeah. guess. But what I did find funny is that the brother, the little boy was there because Mitch Gaylord's co-workers from the factory took him. Yeah. All of a sudden they, they pan to the audience and there's the little boy with the Hells Angels. And I'm like, how did that happen? Because they know that he has no parental guidance. And somebody was <laughs> like, well, let's go, let's go pick him up and bring him because those parents are both garbage. That's how it happened. And same thing with the first round of trials. It was the little boy and all of his friends went to see him do his routine. So the brother somehow finds a ride to all of these events. Neither neither parent can be bothered. Well, and also, I guess we'll get to this, but the, so the, the climactic scene, the father does show up, but I'm like, they say that this these trials are happening in Phoenix. Again, we don't know where they are for most yeah, of them. I'm assuming but. they're in Arizona also, just based on the scenery or somewhere close by because he was driving to, he was leaving that morning to get to the 
finals. So I'm assuming it was nearby. Well, that was the thing. It was like, it, to your point, the mother and son seem like, yes, we're going to be there. They start listening to it on the radio, the mother and father. The meet is mostly over. Yeah. It's and all of a sudden, the, the last hour, I'm sure. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the father shows up there, has a ticket, gets in, right? It, great view where, where if Mitch Gaylord happens to look up, he sees yeah. him under a um, spotlight, essentially. Yeah. So, so really, this father has done truly the bare minimum. Yeah. I mean, the bare minimum and and we as an audience i suppose are supposed to to rejoice in the fact that that he's he's now shown up and he is you know giving his son the you know uh love and attention that he so desperately craved it made me furious i was like this motherfucker is going to come rolling in with five minutes in the last like Where's Michelle Phillips? Like I found the whole thing very off-putting. Well, and this is what I was starting to say before and I never finished, but to me, that's what the movie, okay. So the movie was about this family drama or Janet Jones and her rivalry with that woman or Janet Jones and Mitch Gaylord. To me, the movie was not about making the Olympic trials. I mean, I know that that was sort of the backdrop, Yeah. but then they devoted like the last half hour of the movie, which was a lot of time to this Olympic trials and if they were going to make it. And I'm like, was that the, I didn't even think that was the point. I thought that was sort of like secondary to the whole thing. I thought the whole thing is, are they going to wind up together or is the family? It's like, yeah, because their love story really wasn't developed. I mean, it was a thing where they liked each other and then they're like, we just assume that they're dating. And then they were like, there were some montages where they were sleeping together, but there was never any kind of real, development happening in terms of a relationship no they had a lot of they had a lot of conflict for a new relationship yes yeah but well I mean obviously there there was going to be a lot of uh, gymnastics I mean star gymnastics people no no, but I just didn't I was like wow like we had to go through the whole like yeah because then all that's the whole thing all of a sudden you were supposed to care about these rivalries that were just introduced at that meet like right you're like oh these two don't like each other proceed (laughs) right and then there's this asian guy that's suddenly like the person they all are like out to get like he's the one to beat he must be an olympian too that guy he was was a big olympian yeah and the like the best woman it was like here's the best female gymnast and the best male gymnast you've never seen them up into this never heard of them there wasn't a scene where they're like that guy is going to be there watch out for him he's the best we never hear his name no, nothing. No. So and it's like all, all of a sudden, sudden he's number one on the leaderboard. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, he's yeah. from another gym. Another gym, I guess. Yeah. And, and the same thing with the lady, there. with the with the with the lead girl, the the main, the number one seed or whatever yeah. woman too. We're like, who is this lady? Yeah. And they're just having like, I guess you could compare it like in the Karate Kid, the last scene you cared about who won because you knew who these two people were. This, who cared? You didn't even know who those people were. Yeah, and, and by the way, they all seemed to really enjoy each other. They all were yeah. giving each other thumbs up. There was no conflict. It was like, it really was the feeling of may the best man or woman win. Well, except for the fact that guy, Kirk, who, who um, in the end wound up getting first, he was like, oh, like when the Asian guy was doing really well, he was like, this is war now. Or he said like, I'm getting, I'm gunning for him or whatever he said. But then 
the Asian guys seemed to have no animosity towards him. No, because- they were all like giving each other thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. It was like, I was like, what, what is happening here? I, I think it was, that was just a case of, of good old fashioned rival, you know, it wasn't a personal rivalry. It was just a, he wanted to best his time. Yes. Whatever his, well, his score. I, here's the thing they kept showing maybe because I just don't know the ins and outs of gymnastics, but people would be doing routines and I'm like, that seems good. And they'd yeah. be like, no, oh, shaking their heads as if to say this was bad. Yeah. It seemed good to me. It all seemed good. That was the other thing. It was like, I, I, I just can't get that invested in. Who, and the other thing was, it was not, let's just make this clear. It wasn't the Olympics. It was to who was going to make the team. That was the big, right. That was the big prize. So it wasn't even like, like to come in, the, even the, to your point, even the gymnast didn't care who came in first. Cause it was like the first three were just going to be on the team. Right. So it didn't even matter if you won. Right. Which, which I thought was the only thing that was interesting is that you, one would assume that Mitch Gaylord would be number one, that he would be the gold or whatever, first seed, whatever they call it. But no, he barely squeaks by in third place. Yes, but I actually say I for me, I gave them credit for that. I'm like, at least they don't have him winning someone who hasn't done gymnastics in six right. months. But they did have him doing the uh, some move that apparently had oh, yeah. was, you know, above and the, the most dynamic move ever done in the history of gymnastics. Yes. That he pull that he pulls off and gets a perfect 10. And that's yeah. what gets him into the third slot. Right. Well, he had to do it, Anne. Otherwise, he wasn't gonna make the team. Yeah. He had to go for broke. Yeah, he and he did. And I think that, I mean, I don't really remember Mitch Gaylord doing gymnastics in the 80s, but I think he did do like moves that were had never been done before. That might've been his, that might've been a Gaylord signature move. So Mitch Gaylord was in the 1984 Summer Olympics. He became the first American gymnast to score a perfect 10. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the whole team won gold. He also won silver in vault and bronze in the parallel bars and the rings. Um, oh, and, and that 1984 U.S. men's Olympic team is the only U.S. men's team that has won the team competition. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate that people dedicate their lives to these sports and, and work so hard, but I just... You know, I think I've said, I, I just, I don't understand the mentality of pushing your body to the limit. Well, and that was the thing in the, in this, you know, final climactic thing, the woman who was me, the Mary Lou Retton kind of, right, 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 right. Yeah. She of course has a, she pushes herself too hard and she had a knee injury and it aggravated the knee injury. And then her final event, which she knew there was no way she was making the team anyway. Right. Her final event was a floor routine. They're like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Yes, I do. I'm like, no, you don't. Now you're going to have permanent knee damage. Exactly. Now you're never going to walk again. Or just walk with a limp or have some kind of knee. Look, 20 years later, she's like, I really shouldn't have done that uh, floor exercise in Phoenix. Yeah. Just to watch Janet Jones, this dopey chick is going to the Olympics. And now I'm going to be in rehab for six months. Oh yeah. I, I mean- yeah, so Janet Jones, when she she comes in first place, doesn't she? Yes, which was redi- doing her floor routine. Doing her floor routine, which is so funny because obviously she is not a 
gymnast. So you could see the cutaways were not her doing the flips and the back, you know, the, yeah. she was doing the weird, that weird dancing that gymnasts do. If you want to call it dancing, I'm not quite sure what those maneuvers are designed to showcase. Right. Like, what right. is that when they do their weird, is it supposed to showcase like muscles? Like, I don't understand I it's it. It's like part of the artistry or well, something. It's not dancing. I don't know. But Janet Jones is a dancer by trade. So she, she does that part. You can see her doing, doing those moves and then the cutaway to like the lady doing the backflips. Yeah. 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 So somehow she does come in first, which is absurd. She's the only non-ranked person even there. <laughs> And right. she wins. It's she like wins. synthesizer guys losing his mind, cheering in the crowd. Yes, yes. I looked him up. His real name is Tiny Wells, and unfortunately, he died in a motorcycle accident. Well, that's awful. All right, Dan. Well, having said all of this, though, that's awful. On our Muldoon scale, I will give this a Muldoon. Me too. I give it all. I also give it a Muldoon. I thought it's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's exactly what you imagine it to be. Yes. And it's fun. And, you know, Mitch Gaylord is not an actor by any stretch, but he wasn't that bad. I mean, he, he served, he served the story. It was a bad story. So he, I think he did fine. Uh, Yeah. Well, he was, yes, he was terrible. He had no range whatsoever, but. But he wasn't that bad. Oh, he was bad. There was a lot of, there were a lot of like very melodramatic scenes where uh, 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 Janet Jones was equally as bad. So they were both terrible. It is true. She kind of had no excuse, no excuse. It's she very funny. I mean, that, that, to me, that is the funniest part of this whole movie is that she was cast as the lead woman. Mm-hmm. They're a very good looking couple. Neither of them can act. She's, she's married to Wayne Gretzky, isn't she? Yes, she is. Like they've been married for a really long time. I think they're still married, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, well, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think there was a lot of unintentional comedy. Yeah. And a lot of things that made no sense. Um, but I was, you know, I, oh, there was a whole scene that he like, again, goes running off in his Jeep and he's in the woods and it's night and he shines <laughs> his light on this somehow he has set up this bar around two trees and he's yeah. doing moves and there's a oh and he has a mattress a under it so that, that's obscured by leaves yeah. it looked like he was doing some sort of training for the government <laughs> it's like, yeah. what's happening in the woods back there that's what i'm saying there's so many parts that you're like this is so ridiculous but i'm totally in yeah you have to suspend your any notion of anything that would make actual sense because you know it was just some executive going we need a scene with the motocross we need a scene where he's it's in the dark and he's working out like a rocky type of scene like you can tell they were like these are the type of movie scenes we want to emulate from all of these successful movies from the 80s and we're going to put them in this and that's going to be the movie yeah yeah i would say this is the mac and cheese ice cream of movies (gasps) Look at that. Mm. Fine, but you can only have a bite or two. <laughs> it's like, well, what you're saying, it's like Frankensteining a bunch of things together that like individually are good, but can they be good as a whole? Right. And the answer is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like craft macaroni and cheese too. It's not real macaroni and cheese, but it gets you by in a pinch. It's pretty good. And it does taste good. Yeah. It tastes good. Yeah. You know that you're slowly killing yourself, but 
Yeah. It's not good for you. And it's not going to make <laughs> anything better for you. But at the time you go, you know what? I like it. And guess what? I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this was an hour and 40 minutes that I don't regret spending watching a movie. Agreed. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was good. And it, and it got, I, I'm going to say that it got me in the Olympics mood. It didn't because I don't really care, but I might watch some of the gymnastics. Oh, the gymnastics is always fun. The women's gymnastics. Yeah. It's always, it's, that's always good. Yeah. I, um, I think that this is a forgotten gem. I really think this should be like resuscitated. Maybe it will. Maybe we can bring it back. We're going to bring it back in American Anthem. If all of our nine listeners. Yes. Go on Amazon and rent it for the oddly priced $2 and 70 cents, <laughs> yes. which I was like, huh? Okay. <laughs> I did uh, notice that too. I was like, well, that's strange. And then to buy it, I think was like $7.70. Yeah. I was like, what's the 70 cents? <laughs> no, I don't know. But you know what? I, I hope Mitch Gaylord's doing well. Yeah. Wherever he is. Um, he went into finance. Oh, yeah. American Anthem. I don't know why it was called American Anthem. One more thing about the movie that makes no sense. Yeah. Somebody tested that name and was like people love them you know it's America <laughs> interestingly enough I don't even recall now when when we got to the Olympic trials if they played the national anthem did they no <laughs> no they did I think we just heard some more heavy synthesizer all right everyone thank you for listening and follow us on Instagram Twitter maybe we should have a TikTok in I think we might maybe have to yeah we have to do that no. Oh, and one last reminder, coming up in two weeks is the big Muldoon Awards. Get excited. <laughs> oh, and I'll say this. Patrick Muldoon just posted something. So he posts the, he, it was him with like five women. And he's like, I really want to ask these girls to dinner. How could I ask these girls to dinner? What could they do? And then they, and then he, yeah. Oh, you have to look at it. You'll see it now. And then they pan to the girl. They're not girls. They're grown women. And they like all do this like bow. And that was like the thing. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, I have to watch that. Oh, Muldoon. That is classic. You know what? Classic Muldoon. He's, 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 an, he talk about a, a national treasure. <laughs> all right, Anne. This was fun. This was fun. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'll just on my body.